1: AJ and I have been so excited to share this episode with you. If being a foster parent is something that has been on your heart, something you think about or something that you're just curious to learn more about, then give this episode a listen. We talked with Rachel Garrett about her experience with being a foster parent. She's a licensed foster parent. She was a high school teacher and she's a licensed CASO, which is a court appointed special advocate. And she's also in graduate school and has two little boys of her own. So she is busy. And I'm so grateful she took the time to talk to us because it was such a life giving conversation. And she talks about her fears with being a foster parent, how she's navigated making decisions, and how she's navigated her own mental health along the way. I am really excited for you to learn from her and Hopefully I can meet her someday in real life. That's just something I'm manifesting and putting into the universe because Rachel's amazing and you'll hear that in this episode. So let's get to the conversation. Welcome, Rachel.
2: Thank you. It's an honor to be here with you three. So thank
1: you. Yeah, we are just gonna start picking your brain about everything to do with foster care. So my first question is, there, there are a lot of fears surrounding foster parenting, fears of things like reactive behaviors, having to say goodbye. So did you have any fears, and how do they compare to the reality of having foster kids now that you are a foster parent?
2: That is a really great question. I would say yes, a lot of fears beforehand. And um, I think the more information and more exposure I got, the more I found that some of those fears like subsided, oftentimes um, negative stereotypes or information travels faster than a lot of maybe like a general experience. Um, And so for me, and my husband, we had, we also have two kids, and so that adds a whole nother realm because there's not only just the unknowns for yourself and your partner, um, but also our kids, too, and how that would impact them. And um, we come from families who have little to no exposure with foster care, and so there's also the um, projection and the fears from others that you're navigating as well. So I will definitely say that there are a lot of fears involved, um, but something that has been so beautiful is to see, um, how those fears have, like, none of those fears have come to fruition and, um, or they have changed like once we got in into it and jumped into it. Um, but I know with like our first, um, like long-term placement, which is one we have right now, we did respite care and shorter term placements, um, before this, But our first big long-term one, and it happens to be teenagers, which adds a whole nother realm as well. Originally beforehand, before taking these teens, we took younger kids. And right now we have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. So we're in the trenches of just like that toddlerhood and young kids stage. But I'm a former um, high school teacher. So I I love teens and I've had experience working with teens, but I've never had experience parenting teens. So I'm like, we're going to be jumping stages here, but we got a call about these two boys. Um, and my first thought was like, oh, we probably can't do it. Like just in the back of my mind, but there's something that just kept pulling me. Like, I just need to know more. And so that's what I would really like, um, strongly encourage, um, those who are foster families is that you get to ask all the questions you want to about placements that you get calls about. And, um, so I just asked so many questions I asked, are, um, their caseworker too because she had more information than some of the people that were contacting me because she knew and worked with them personally and so I was able to ask lots of questions and sit down and a lot of these fears I had um, didn't align with a lot of things I was being told about these boys so that's why I'm like I don't know if I like if you just fall back on um, <laughs> what's that there's this line that one of my therapists would would share with me and it basically was like S- sometimes ignorance, fear is stemmed from ignorance. Like when you don't know, it's natural to want to fear that. And so as we got to know more about them, I just like both my husband and I, we, um, for a few days, we had like three days to decide. And it was this really big decision. And I just, it feels kind of impossible in the moment, but I, there was something that I just couldn't let it go. And then, um, I wanted to make sure my husband was on the same page and he was like, I'm really concerned and nervous about all of these things. And then I said, okay, well, we can't do this unless we're doing this together. And so I said, should I say no? And this was after I put the full court press of like, I feel really strongly that this is something we should do. And and I just gave him time. He went mountain biking one afternoon and just came back and said, no, like I think we need to move forward. And um, and honestly, it has been the best decision we've ever made. And these boys, like we love them so – I just get emotional. And think Like we love them so much and so – to think about how it was a few months ago and it, where it is now, and to think that we could have missed out on this because we listened to that fear rather than that like inner knowing and and all the things that the facts were telling us. Um Yeah, I would say that we've had fears, but also they have they haven't come to fruition, and it's been actually the opposite experience. So,
0: wow, I'm, I'm like just blown away by you already. I know. But I mean, it it sounds like. You have, you've had all the same fears that it sounds like any of us would have as parents, but you've educated yourself with information, especially about those cases. And then you've connected with your partner and then moved forward with confidence. And it sounds like you guys have had what it seems very, very positive experiences.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's been really, um, really beautiful. And also it kind of has given my husband and I more confidence in that Like we can do hard things together and we can work together and all those is a big first for our family that just seeing like this little success of being able to navigate that initial call with this specific placement i think has been helpful for us so
0: yeah and you mentioned you said you're a therapist when you were talking about like Uh how has therapy played a role for you in aiding you in this journey of foster care
2: oh that is such a good question um I love therapists. I love therapy. I recommend it to all people. I um, therapy has helped me in my own healing process. I guess I have two answers for this. One with like the initial actual like these moments. My therapist called me the morning of that we had to make the decision, and she helped walk through things with me. Like she's been very present and in, in um, big a big support for our family in like this actual fostering um, I don't know, moment, but I'd say beforehand, as you're asking about like the preparation, she's been really helpful in helping me to heal my own, um, trauma and, um, and has given me a lot of tools and knowledge and just verbiage with mental health. And, um, like I was diagnosed with depression and, um, earlier on and and navigating those kinds of things, on my own as an individual has really helped me better understand some of these things that these kids will be navigating. Although it's very, very different, but being aware of just like what depression can look like, how can it manifest in your behaviors? And, and for me, like I was a wake up call to take it more seriously. Like I just thought I could do it until it got to a point that was really detrimental for me and our family and, and got to a really, really scary point. And um, we even had a conversation with I was driving in the car with the boys and they were talking about depression. And, um, one of them said like, just had like a, Oh, I won't, I won't ever get depressed type of thing. But I'm like, and it's okay if you do like, and I told them a little bit about my experience and I think just normalizing, like just the whole reality of mental health and the importance of taking care of yourself and, and some of the skills that I learned about like exercise or moving my body and, um, setting good boundaries and those kinds of things that I can help maybe implement with, with our boys um, because I've seen how it has personally impacted me.
0: Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful. And I was just before when I was stalking your Instagram, I came up <laughs> upon like one of your posts about this and I just, I'm just going to read it for everybody. So they'll see oh. what treasures you have on there. But there's part of it when you're talking about healing your own trauma you know, and exploring those dark places. And just my favorite line of it is you say, people, systems will hurt us. The people, and you say the people we love, trauma is a complex battlefield and human beings are resilient. Our minds plus bodies are powerful. Our brains are neuroplastic. Surround yourself with healthy, Mm -hmm. loving people. Be gentle with yourself. We can do hard things. Mm -hmm. And I think, I'm so glad that you shared this, especially, I'm not glad that you were diagnosed with depression, but I'm glad that you shared that with us because a lot of the time, and this is for me as well, When I see people that foster or people that adopt or people that are CASA workers and everything, I think that sometimes I'm like, they're just made of different stuff. They just must be a saint. They must have their life together so that they can just like do this and take on these hard things. I could never do this. But I love that you opened up about that because it really normalizes that like everybody has things. Everybody has stuff that they struggle with. You can address that and still help in this capacity. Like it doesn't have to stop you. You don't have to be this saint-like person with zero Mm -hmm. problems or zero mental health or anything like that. You can just be a normal human Mm -hmm. and you're still capable of opening yourself up Mm -hmm. and then allowing your history to benefit other people, which is pretty cool.
2: Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I love that connection. And I also just feel like the being able to connect to people like at the core of humanity, like what makes us human and, and uh, we all go through different things. But I found that there's a lot of beauty in that connection when we just um, authentically show up and, um, and none of us are perfect, even if some of us seem like there are people out there that are but I think that there are always things going on under the surface. So
1: in talking about depression and if people are listening to this and they are struggling with mental illness but they are just feeling that pull to foster has being a foster parent impacted you negatively at all as far as mental health goes like is it something where people need to kind of really be aware that it can be a stress or you know it can come with some of its own trauma or Like, what would the advice be that you would give people if they're kind of battling with that internally?
2: I would say, first and foremost, like, take care of yourself in the best ways that you know how. And um, if possible, like, seeking professional help for me. um, I don't think if I would have navigated those um, routes beforehand, I um, would be able to be the person I am right now with the boys that we have. Um, I do think that, um, I, yeah, I would say for me, it's something that it's taken me 30 years to realize this, but for me, I've always naturally just felt like I needed to care more for other people. And I think naturally with people who are called to foster or, um, to give in any of this kind of capacity or this realm naturally are probably pretty nurturing or have a caregiving type personality in some realm. Um, but I love this quote of, I can't set myself on fire to make other people feel warm. And I felt like I did that for so long that I, um, I was quick to just suppress what was going on with me to help other people. And I think with fostering that can go to a really extreme level because there's so much need, but I would say first and foremost, make sure that you know that you matter just as much as these kids and your health matters too. And in order to be like a really good, for me to be a really good foster parent, like I've had to, I had to take like just a break from everything. I just like kind of went dark for a little bit and just really worked on myself. And as I got to be a healthier point, I just felt like I had so much to give and so much love to share. And, and I think the timing of everything was pretty beautiful for our family. And that I felt like I was back on my feet when we got the boys into our home and not to say like, Um, I, I still have to be careful and I still need to like make sure I set my boundaries. Like I can't say yes to everything, but I found that, um, that that has really helped me so that I don't go too extreme and lose myself again. Yeah.
0: I'm going to write that quote somewhere. Wow. I know. I was like, commit to memory immediately. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like just as like a woman and a mother, I'm like, Yes yes i feel that every day yes, <laughs> i'm just constantly so lighting a match and lighting myself on fire <laughs> Like so yes. I can keep everybody else going yes you know?
2: that's exactly it yeah.
0: yeah so it sounds like just the maintenance it sounds like you do a lot of maintenance mm-hmm. just like constantly checking in with yourself mm-hmm. trying to stay grounded and yeah. just like because it's true
2: really transparent with each other so like yeah, we kind of just have like tapped into one another, like, okay, like, how are we doing? How's everything going? And um, yeah, I also feel like with teenagers, it's a different ball game than younger kids in just regards to like, I feel like with my younger boys, they require a lot of physical exertion on my end. But with the teenagers, I feel like it's a lot more emotional and mental that I always just need to be on and ready because for the things that aren't being said or those kinds of things. So it's actually been kind of this beautiful dance of trying to figure out what that looks like. But
1: going along that, like meeting their emotional needs and figuring out how to navigate all of that. Something we love talking about here is attachment. And Mm -hmm. we feel that, you know, attachment can be present in any relationship, even if it's really temporary. So have you found that, you've seen attachment build with your foster kids and did that come quickly or does that take time? What have you seen?
2: Oh, I just like smile thinking about that question because it was so evident, like the first two weeks that they came, um, obviously I can't like share too much, but with their personalities, like very introverted, like shut down, like would barely look at you. And I I mean, painfully shy. And, um, and I'm just like, I always have this, I I don't know if it's my personality, but I just like to feel like, how is everyone feeling in the room? What's going on? Like emotionally. And it was really hard to read. And I just, and I thought like, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Like, what did that mean? Or what are they, what are they meaning behind this, this behavior, whatever it was, but it was really hard to know because it just, everything was just so internal and closed. And there was a, there was like this almost like palpable wall between us because for every good reason, right? There's a lot of fear and drama and you're being removed and put into this unfamiliar home with these people you don't know. And, and so it was, it's been beautiful to see like, as, as the time has gone on that, um, I still remember like the first week, no, it was the second week. One of them loves to do art and I, I'm like, I just was like, oh, I'd love to, um, like support you or love to see your work or whatever, if you feel comfortable sharing. And, and he came up to me one day and he's like, I, I don't have a pencil. I like to do art with pencils instead of pens. And I'm like, okay. So one night I got him like a, a little, uh, jar of pencils and I just knocked on their door. I always try and check in every night. That was something I try to do really consistently. And in the beginning it was kind of like an awkward, like, okay, you know, like, I'll just give you what, like give me whatever you want and not going to push anymore. But when he shut the door, I just heard him like eagerly um, playing with the pencils. And I'm like, Carson, he loves the pencils. Like, like it just was little things like that. And now they are so open. They tell me all the things about the girls they like and the funny slash sometimes inappropriate memes that they make. we have to <laughs> talk a little bit about that or, or they'll just like, they'll tell me anything and everything They're so comfortable um, laugh and they come with me independently which was a big thing originally they always stayed close together and and uh or like last night Carson got in um our house really late and the oldest stayed up it was like twelve forty five to scare him like it's just <laughs> little things like that that are just so endearing <laughs> I'm like oh my goodness but anyway it just like it melts my heart to see but it just it just took time and, and just creating like that safe place, but consistency. And I couldn't have any expectations because you can't expect a child who's going through so much trauma to do anything or behave in any certain way. And so, but it's been beautiful to see as they've, those walls have come down and we get to know them and, and to, and one of them went to their friend's house for one of the first time ever, which I thought was an incredible thing, like doing brave things. Oh, that's something else i found like with reading about trauma that generally um, when you're in a survival state, you won't, you aren't going to, like your curiosity is stunted because you're not willing to or wanting to learn or try new things because like your body's in like this fight or flight mode. And so the first maybe three weeks, I, I'd be like, let's go swimming or do these other things. And, and we only did skating. They love skateboarding. So we only did skateboarding. And then about I think three weeks in, I could tell that they were getting more and more comfortable, but then they were they were able to like just try all these new things and like Carson taught them to wakeboard and um, we showed him a, a mountain bike and now one of them loves to mountain bike more than skateboard, but like a month or two ago he probably wouldn't have even tried that. So like it's just as cool to see the the layers and to see these really just amazing kids blossom um and gain trust with their bio family too again so
3: i'm sorry i ran off
2: on tangent i think because i I have a captive audience that actually cares about this i'm like yes this is so wonderful
3: (laughs) we definitely care loving
1: i'm loving it it's like watching healing right in front of your eyes like that's just
2: that's exactly it it's so surreal
1: It's like being a therapist in a way, like that's kind of what you see, like you see these changes week to week, sometimes they're small week to week, and then Mm -hmm. you see a client come in and it's like, whoa, that was a Mm -hmm. big thing you just did. I feel like that's kind of a similar thing, you just have this front row seat to watching someone's trauma heal and that's, that's awesome.
2: And you guys are giving people the tools to do that, which is a really powerful thing.
0: Now, Rachel, can I can I ask you a question about your biological children? Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people when it comes to fostering, they get mm-hmm. nervous if they already have children in the home.
3: Right.
0: You know, concerns like, uh, how will this affect my kids? Will they get too attached? And then mm-hmm. if the kids are, you know, foster kids are moved out or – Maybe you already have kids at home that have anxious tendencies or mm-hmm. have difficulty yeah. with transition transitions or change. Mm-hmm. So, what has that like been like for your biological children and having foster kids placed with you?
2: That's a really great question. Um, I would say when we had younger kids in our home, it affected them more because um, they're all we're all doing the same things, and like my oldest would often be sharing his bike or toys or all those things so I think personally that affected depending on the age and personalities of the kids for sure I guess is what I'm adding that caveat and it will be different for everyone but um I with these older boys that we have right now they um it's kind of like just their life changes or like their life stages are different so like the teenagers because it's summer they'll sleep in and the and my kids get up like Sun's up, we're up. <laughs> so, actually, our morning routine hadn't, hasn't changed at all. And so, it allowed us to have that um, time together. And um, now, as they've like, it's almost like they've had this like older brother kind of relationship, and that they'll, the older ones will help me with the younger ones. Like, we'll just, I don't even ask them. They voluntarily, like, will hold their hand in the grocery store, help me put them in their car seat, or those kinds of things. And we actually just got, um, they got little, mice for pets today <laughs> the older two did and so the younger two are like we don't ever want to leave your room <laughs> like, because they have those pets <laughs> or oh. just always knock on the door like can I can I touch the mouse <laughs> <laughs> they're like little feeder mice and they're like this big and I they are all really nurturing t- towards these mice but um I would say my oldest has a really outgoing personality over the top friendly and so for him I think it's been like um he's he's loved it with our youngest I think he went through um he was used to more of the attention and so there's that aspect of like just as you would when you're adding a new baby to the family there's just that um adjustment with it, this divide in attention um but I something that I found that's been helpful for us is to do something individually with each of the kids and even the kids that are in foster care too like to get to know them as individuals and see them as individuals so Carson and I try and do something with each of them, and I find that that really helps to have that time, that quality time. I would say that fear is probably very valid in that you always want to, like, evaluate the risks, and it, it will affect your kids no matter what. And actually, that's the first thing most people ask us, like, what about your kids? Like, that's almost always the first question. Um, but I will add, like, another caveat. You're able to with foster care, like, it's becoming licensed to – Um, like filter through what your family is capable of doing. And I would really strongly like encourage you to have the self-reflection of like, what is our capability and capacity? And it's okay to say no to placements for everyone's best interest because you don't want to have a child have additional um, trauma from removal. And so that was something that I keep in mind of like, we filter down, like what is our family's strengths and what are we capable of doing? And and being really clear about that. So that can help at least just like um, match up kids with, with homes that would be in, the, in their best interest and your kids' best interest.
3: But that really is, I think, one of the most important things is to realize that foster care is not just you saving a kid. It's saying, is this the right thing for us? And is it the right thing for them? And you have to be mm-hmm. really, really honest about it. Mm-hmm. Because I have worked with many post-adopt that did fail. And there's nothing sadder than a child who has to go through a failed placement. Um, and so it really is, it's in the best interest right. to be honest with what you guys can actually handle and realizing I loved earlier, you said that you don't know how they're going to respond when they have this trauma. You don't know if you're going to get someone who's like, I'm going to hold it all in or I'm going to explode out. And, and so you have to be willing to say like, okay, what are we going to mm-hmm. deal with? What are we going to have? You know. And mm-hmm. so it still is a very boundaryed world even though you're letting them into your home. So it becomes Mm -hmm. very, it's a very different type of boundary, obviously, because it's very close, very intimate relationship, but you still have to be just so Mm -hmm. honest with like, can I really connect with this child? You know, am I really the best placement for them? Mm -hmm. Because a child will fit everywhere, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that every child will fit in your home. Mm -hmm. Like, but there is a home for every child. You just that's why I also love like the like Ronald McDonald and um like Dave Thomas the Dave Thomas Foundation through Wendy's they take a foster kid and then find a home for the foster kid that fits rather than we just like put kids in homes because we have that home available and that really I think that that's beautiful that you are trying to do that for these kids you know
0: and just the amount of like emotional awareness. I think that's like something that's hitting me right now is just you're, you've, it sounds like you've worked really, really hard in order to understand yourself, in order to understand your partner and your family and your needs. And so I think that is a lot of that preparation work that has happened so far is kind of like, like you said, what are our strengths and our weaknesses? And that like got me thinking about my family. Like, what are our strengths? <laughs> like, what, like what would we be able to offer? What are our weaknesses? Understanding that every family does have those strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. and it's just getting a little introspective and trying to figure out what that is. Right. So in terms of preparation, what types of conversations have you had with your littles mm-hmm. before you brought the placements in? Like what have, what has that sounded like?
2: Yeah, um, that's something that, I think our oldest has has it been able to grasp it a little bit more than our younger one. Um, but yeah, we just we're really open and transparent with our kids um in a lot of realms. But in this one, um specifically we just um kind of explain like we're going to have some friends come live with us and we don't know how long they're gonna live with us, but we're gonna love them as long as they're here and um we obviously don't tell them too many details of the nature of the case. And if anything, I feel like kids are so healing and that they naturally are so quick to love and, and accept, I mean, just generally speaking. And, um, yeah, so we, um, there's also that the, I worried a lot about the grief of like, Oh, this is going to be really painful. Um, when kids leave it's because naturally we all get so attached and, and, um, I found that I, have been like my five-year-old, like just like open heart, just like love, like full force, but it comes like with a cost, it's going to hurt. And, um, you're going to feel that grief and that loss. And, um, but my therapist, again, uh, props to therapy. Um, she was saying that this is actually a beautiful opportunity to model and to walk through this with your kids, because life is grief is inevitable and loss is inevitable in life. And, and this opportunity you have to sit with them and to model with them alongside of them, like this is going to be painful and hurt. But like, look at this opportunity we've had to love and get to know them. And and my hope is with um, these boys we have right now that we can still like honor the milestones in their life and see them in those in those moments and stuff in the future. Um, but I love to apply that same concept with maybe some negative things too. Like if a child were to come in and had um, language that you didn't find acceptable for your home or your kids like having that um, conversation like okay well in our home like we choose not to use these words um or or talk about people this way or whatever but um the the reality is, the kids are going to school with kids who all say do different things and to think that you have control as a parent in your own home to navigate some of these complex um conversations um what a blessing and benefit that can be for your family too.
1: Yeah. Going off of that, like having these complex and transparent conversations, something that's been amazing about your Instagram is how open you are about your faith transition. And so Mm -hmm. how how do you navigate like kids coming into your home who maybe have a different faith or like different lifestyle Mm -hmm. things um, than you do, or like they're, if their bio families have different Mm -hmm. religion than you like how do you navigate that
2: that's a really great question and um the the biggest thing is you honor the bio family what their preferences with some of these really big things that are regarding like um with morals and religion um we've tried really hard to have a good connection with their bio family to honor what they would like and um We are just really open and loving to just who the child is and what they prefer and would like to do. And so, different kids have have come in with different personalities and different um, beliefs. Um, But, like for example, um, one of the first little girls we had in our home, she loves Jesus so much, and she loves um, worship songs. And so, um, and I would pray with her, kneel down with her, and pray with her every night. And, uh, and I'd play all the songs that she wanted to play and those kinds of things. And then um, we've had kids who haven't like talked about religion at all. Um, So, and we also have that conversation up front too, um, like with the case in placement, like, well, what would this require, what would this require for us? Um, And we're really open to um, embracing and supporting all different religious beliefs. So for us, it was just a matter of just like opening that, um, up and, um, we're really, really big on not uh, just embracing the child and not pushing or saying anything on our end because we feel like that that's not, um, our position to do that. And I think that a child going through so much trauma, they don't need to have added levels of, um, lifestyle changes that they aren't, that aren't already familiar. So whatever that looks like for them.
1: It's that whole acceptance piece, like helping them feel, feel accepted as they are is so healing.
2: Yeah. So we just, yeah, we'll just love all the children for where, and wherever they are. And we have had kids who, um, have come to us that from, um, the church that we no longer participate in. And it's still like, I feel like that's another important reason is to work on your own healing that I'm in a place of so much peace that, um, it's, it's honestly like been so beautiful to be able to like put those relationships first and and um to honor that so
1: that's like so well said because I think that can feel so complex and I love that it's just like meet them where they are and Mm -hmm. show them that you can engage with them and what they love and what they're passionate about and that goes not just for like beliefs but like you talked about the boys love skating and mm. so you skate with them and just engaging with them where they're at, I think is so, so yeah. powerful.
2: Oh, that's so nice of you. Um, I, yeah, I feel like that's one of the biggest going back to the question of like connection and um, kind of having them be able to be comfortable with themselves is to like connect on something that they love. Like, i think i told i i'm sure i shared this but like they love the fast and the furious series and so for the first few weeks i sat every night with them and binged it because they're like you have to see it before then like all of them before the ninth one comes out and now yeah good thing like, there's
0: 27 of them so <laughs> like, it's no, like you had some time
2: for. <laughs> or like skateboarding i don't skate at all but like just trying to learn like just making that effort i thought i think it just showed to them like oh like she cares or like anime one of them loves anime I know very little about anime and like just trying to make an effort I has gone a long way I have found so so
1: from your perspective kind of now that you're in in it involved in it what are things that people misunderstand about foster care like when you've interacted, you know, with family members or friends and the questions they ask, or even the things you misunderstood about it before you became a foster parent. Mm-hmm.
2: I I guess two things. I've kind of deconstructed the idea of what family means. And I think that something that's really complex with fostering is the whole goal is reunification for the family. And so like you come in and love the family and these kids as long as needed and then, um, kind of like send them on their way. And, uh, I think, um, for me, I, it just has opened this idea of just like being able to love people. Um, and even though we don't know how much time we have with them, like it's just open this whole idea of what family means and, and to open our hearts and home in a way that's beforehand, I think was just really, uh, narrow or confined. And obviously fostering is not for everyone, but I found that it has been such a, it's just been so beautiful. Like it's all the things. Um, but it's almost like life on steroids, just in this little experience, you just have so, it's just so complex, but, um, the, and I guess the other thing is just like, these kids are, I remember them saying this in the training, like these kids are just like your kids. Like they just want to be loved and to be safe and to be heard. And they're just like, I mean, just like all of us want. And so I remember when she said that, it just like really hit me that I kept thinking like, I don't have enough training on trauma or I don't like all the things of why I felt like I wouldn't be qualified. And I just kept thinking, but I, I can love, like I would love my other kids and, um, and see these kids as my own in a, in a way and not to replace their other family, but just to be an additional person to love them. And I, and, or just watching the kids, like, swim in the pool together, I'm like, you would never know if you walked by, I think there's this, such a negative st- stigma when you say foster kids, or, like, they're just kids to me, and they're in the system that they didn't ask or choose to, i I get a emotional, that they didn't choose to be in, but there are so many good people in this world, and if we can just give a soft landing place until they they can get back on their feet and the bio family can hopefully get back on their feet. Like what a better world it would be.
1: Thank you for sharing that. Um, I like it's clear hearing you talk about these kids that you love them and that this has been like a life changing experience for you and I'm sure for them. And I think a lot of that speaks to the work you've done as a person with your own mental health Mm -hmm. to be able to like meet that caregiver fatigue head on and meet you know the things that this brings like all those complex emotions and um, you know the thought of saying goodbye at some point and like just navigating that with your little family like it's a lot but it can also be so beautiful like you said like such a beautiful experience and life on steroids sounds amazing (laughs) Like it sounds hard and amazing and um it's just like I think it gives that perspective of like little moments of connection with people like watching the Fast and Furious movies and like those little things that I'm sure like years down the line like you'll remember and they'll remember mm. and it will be like a, a happy memory in their childhood for them which is like I'm just glad there are people like you that are loving on these kids.
2: Mm, thank you. Thank you. Um, I will say like for other people who's like that their heart's called to this area and aren't like fostering is a huge commitment and again like not everyone has the capability capacity or desire to do this and that's that's great like um but there's some people who do want to get involved but don't know how or like want a smaller time commitment that's where I would say like maybe look into being a CASA that that's what actually got me on this trajectory um I think teaching high school and being a CASA both like put this on my radar I wouldn't have even had this on my radar if I didn't but you're helping and working with these kids and but it's a um a more limited amount of time flexible and legally like you're not allowed to involve your own family so it's just you as an individual so I know that that's a pro for some people not to involve their family so Mm
3: -hmm.
2: that that's an option if you want to look into that and that was that was truly life-changing for me too so
1: yeah well, I feel like we could probably talk
2: to you all night. So oh, we should. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I'm, I just feel like I know you guys really well.
0: just <laughs> <laughs> made a really safe place. So thank you. Rachel, I just have to say, we have interviewed a lot of just inherently beautiful souls on our podcast, I feel like. And you are one of them. Like you just like radiate such like good, goodness and healing and inspiration and like bod said in the beginning we are just so grateful that there are people like you mm-hmm. like you are one of the people that just makes the world better so
2: well, that means so much to me thank we're you.
0: happy you're alive and around <laughs> Because thank you it was awesome
2: I, thank you i am too
1: <laughs> yeah thank you so much for agreeing to do this and being open with us and for being open on social media because that's how I came across your account and Mm. you know it's like just the the beautiful kind of vulnerability that I think is so helpful to a lot of people who are kind of figuring out how to navigate this world and have questions about being a foster parent so Mm.
2: thank you for
1: talking with us
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search ThoughtsPod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Vrijic from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.